It is a sports pen coming at you live here for Eastern 3 Central on ESPN UP and online with our app Tanner Hoops with you. And it's ABC 10 Wednesday. We've got John Michael Hoefling in studio with us. What's going on, man? It's going pretty good. Good to be back here. I mean, I miss Tyree. I always miss Tyree. So but. why exactly is he not here? <sighs> Do you want me to give you the full story or yeah. the short story? Oh, no, no, no. We're all about getting the full story. We tell it all, not like the mainstream media. Okay, so... Uh, our station is playing this game of assassins where we all get nerf guns and we try to... Did you bring your nerf gun? Is yeah, because I thought he might be here. Are you kidding um, me? It, the cat's out of the bag because Dan Callahan was the first person eliminated and proceeded to tell everyone who everyone has. So now there is no secrecy. So now it's just going to be a matter of when can you catch the other person off guard and stuff like that. So I figured this would be a pretty good time to shoot Tyree with my Nerf gun. It's, so, a, pre- it's a pretty solid Nerf okay, gun. You so take a look. Y- you brought a Nerf gun, you walked with it in public to get here, and you were planning to shoot somebody in the studio while on air. Yes. Well, I, wasn't, I was planning to shoot him before the show. Oh, okay. It would have been better if you did it on air. <laughs> this gosh. would have been pretty hard to hide from him. It's it's big. It's not huge, but it's big. That's uh, what kind of gun would that be? I have no idea. Because what it doesn't called. look it's, like a real gun. It's called a flip fury, apparently. And it, it, I'll tell you why it's called a flip fury. You have two triggers, right? First one fires uh, your bullets, and the second one, once you run out of six your nerf shots, bullets. Yeah, yeah, nerf bullets. There we go. Uh, and then when you run out of your six nerf rounds, uh, you press the second trigger, and it flips to the second thing. It looks futuristic. Like it looks it like looks something cool, you'd right? see in a James Cameron movie. It looks cool, right? I like it. It's got an intimidation factor, although it only holds twelve rounds. There are people playing this game that have guns that hold uh, like eighty rounds. We're off to a flying start here. <laughs> I tell you what, if we played this game here at ESPN UP, I wonder if I'd win. That's the whole thing, man. Uh, the the we we did. Uh, we've already played one round. I was the moderator, so I came up with this game. Okay. And I was the moderator. I made sure everything went f- smoothly because somebody's got to set the rotation of who's got who and mm-hmm. whatnot. And we established that whoever wins the round gets to be the moderator for the next round because you know then the pressure's off. You don't have to worry about getting uh, shot at in Walmart and stuff like that. So, yeah. The only the only rule is we can't shoot each other at work events or in shared spaces. So you can't go into somebody's apartment and you can't shoot them at work or while they're on a story. Well, we, this could have been a shared space. The, does this count as a shared space? Yes. So you're telling me that the reason Tyree's not here today is because he didn't want you to shoot him with a Nerf gun. Yes. I think that's most... He says he's going to a clinic uh. for medical reasons. <laughs> um... I don't know why he would do that. I have seen no medical issues with him. So is he trying to shoot you, or does he have somebody no, 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 else no, 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 as his target? Yeah, yeah, So he has somebody he has to shoot while I chase him, and I have somebody chasing me. So we all know the entire rotation because Dan was the first person eliminated and told everybody who everybody has. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Dan offered me a really bad trade in fantasy, and I'm like, are you insulting my intelligence? He tried to offer me Alshon Jeffrey. For Michael Thomas? Oof. No! Come on, Dan. Oof. Come on, Dan. So, no, I'm, I'm a little peeved at Dan in that sense, too. But I tell you, you have him this week, so beat him for us. Yeah, I'm going to try to beat him. I mean, he's given up so many things. Keep in mind who Dan used to have in this league. <laughs> uh, all the players Dan once had in this league. He had Deshaun Watson, Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams, 
Uh, Zach Ertz, he had all these great players. And trade them all away. Trade them all away. He's made 69 moves in our league. <laughs> the second closest person has made 19. I tell you what, let's get into some pick em as uh, we have here. Are you Snapchatting again? Just real quick. Gosh dang it, Michael. Uh, the results from last week, we're about at the midway point, have me at 30 and 15. But you're in the move, man. You're in second place. Whoa! 17. All right. I like to hear that. I tell you what, you're two games out of first place all of a sudden. Hey, man, with Ryan Michael Steve. Hoefling always makes a comeback. <laughs> I tell you what. Here's what we have to pick from this week, and it begins with Thursday night football tomorrow when the Chargers go on the road to take on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are a better team than people give them credit for. Yeah, they are. They're 4-4, four and four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yep. And they're at home. Yeah. Um, what do you think on this one? I'm taking Oakland. Really? Mm. Mm. See, the Chargers have way more talent, right? They should. They they do. They do. Mm. At every single position, they are the better team, right? Mm. Name one position. I don't know. Head coach? I guess. Is Gruden better than Anthony Lynn? I, I think guess. he is this year. Maybe. Not last year, this year. Yeah, I mean... Cupboard was empty for Gruden I, last year. I don't year. know, man. I don't know what the issue is with... With the uh, with the Chargers, I know Philip Rivers isn't playing at the same level he was last year, but mm. still, like he's not bad. No. So, like, what's the issue? I mean, is it is the loss of Derwin James that much really for the defense? It can't just be that, can it? No, I like. But that's I, the only thing I can think of. It's the only thing, right? I don't know, man. I think the Chargers are too talented. I'm going to pick Los Angeles. Going to take LA in this one. Did you mm-hmm. see that Anthony Lynn? There was a report that Anthony Lynn said that while he was playing. He went to Oakland one time, and someone threw a battery at him. So a how battery. great is that, that he goes from being hit by a battery to coaching the Chargers? Isn't that great? Isn't that perfect? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I ever said that. Let's go to Sunday, and the first game that we have here in ESPN-UP, we've got a battle for the Meadowlands as the Giants take on the Jets. Yeah. Um, Real excited for that one. Yeah, that's going to be a barn burn. <laughs> um, Giants. Yep, me too. Yep. I tell you what, Giants have a plan at least going forward. They give you a little reason to be optimistic. You know, Jones has looked like he can be good going forward. Barkley is really good. They're starting to build something. The Jets have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, the Jets don't have a defense either. No. The Giants have the personnel to be a good defense. They just haven't put it together yet. And Pat Shermer, Adam Gase, would you rather have coaching your team? Pat Shermer. Yep. Uh, How about the late game on Sunday? We've got the Rams on the road taking on the Steelers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steelers have won three of their last four, right? Yeah. Except they've played trash teams, yeah. and now they're facing the Rams. The Rams are going to win this yep. one. Yep, Rams, Rams. With the, uh, their team with their backs against the wall. They've still got something to play for. I think the Rams do go into Pittsburgh and win this one. We have a good one on Sunday Night Football. We've got the Vikings on the road taking on the Cowboys. Okay. I don't know, man. Mike Zimmer seems pretty nervous about this one. Well, they should be. The Cowboys are a good team, but the Cowboys should be nervous about the Vikings. What do you think they have to be nervous about for the Vikings? If they can limit Dalvin Cook and force Kirk Cousins to pass. I mean, there's no Adam Thielen, so... I don't know. The Cowboys just have not impressed me thus far, and the Vikings are far too inconsistent. This is probably a really tough one. I'd probably go with the Cowboys here. Okay, all right. I tell you what, I said the other day that... I don't believe the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team because there are five NFC teams better than them, and the Vikings are one of them. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and go with the Vikings in this one to win on Sunday Night Football. And then Monday Night Football, we've got a really good one. We've got the Seahawks on the road taking on the Niners. (laughs) That'll be a fun one. 
You know what I'm going to pick. I know what you're going to pick. <laughs> but the same thing, I still believe that Seattle can win that division, and that's why I'm going to pick them. I have the Niners losing three of their last eight games, but this is not a one not of them. Not one of them, really? No. For the record, no. what are those three games? Uh, they're going to lose uh, against the Packers. Okay. They're going to lose against the Seahawks in Seattle. Mm. And they're going to lose that Week 17 matchup against the Rams. Okay. All right. I respect that. I tell you what, that is Pick'em as we play here in the sports pen every week. Was that only four games? That was five. Oh, that was? We had tomorrow night's Thursday night football game, Oakland and the Chargers. Then we had the battle for the Meadowlands, Rams and Pittsburgh, Sunday night, Cowboys-Vikings, and then this one on Monday night. Okay. It goes quicker without Tyree. Yeah. Oh, that's strange. <laughs> I tell you what, Tyree's got to get off the schneid a little bit. He doesn't have the same hot magic that you do. Oh, really? you got a two-game lead on Tyree now. Nice. I love to see it, man. <laughs> love it. You love to see it. But again, that's pick them as we play here in the sports pen every week. Can you believe we're already getting ready for week 10 of the NFL football season? It flies by, man. Doesn't it really? Yeah. It really does. I tell you what, though, when you look at the playoff picture and how it's starting to take shape... I think the six teams in playoff position, the NFC, are going to get there. They're going to be the same ones who get there at the end of the year. Two from the West, Seattle and San Fran. Two from the North, Minnesota and Green Bay. Then uh, New Orleans from the South. And the Cowboys, somebody has to win the East. So let's say the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to win the East? I do. I still think it's the Eagles division. Really? Yeah. Okay. I really like the Eagles. I think it's funny now because Nick Foles is in a position where everybody likes his backup more than mm. him. And it's the exact <laughs> same position that... Carson Wentz was in with Nick Foles. <laughs> you know, I love Garner Minshew as much as I do. It was the right decision for Jacksonville to go forward with Nick Foles because you sunk $88 million into him. you got to see if it's worth the bang for your buck. And if well, not, if yeah. it's not, then you go back to a cheap rookie contract with Minshew. Yeah, uh, I think you have to play him just because, like you said, you paid too much. But um, I think it would be ridiculous to not consider Minshew moving forward if Foles doesn't play well. Mm -hmm. I, I hate that whole thing of like, oh, we paid them this much, so we can't possibly sit I them. know, I know. It's the whole Kirk Cousins dilemma, man. If he doesn't pan out, though, going forward, I'm talking about Foles, then you still have Minshew to fall back on. If not, he can play somewhere next year. There are going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are playing different places next year. Minshew, maybe Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Eli Manning, all those guys could potentially play somewhere what, else next year. What places need quarterbacks, though? Miami, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Cincinnati? Is that it? Chicago. Chica oh, yeah, Chicago. Let's see. Maybe New England if Tom Brady leaves, but I doubt Maybe Tom Brady New England, yeah. I tell you what, let's take our first time now. When we come back, we'll discuss the college football playoff rankings. First edition came out last night. What do we like? What do we don't like? Next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along this Wednesday afternoon. Last night we got our first look at the college football playoff rankings. Was there anything that surprised you in that group with? Clemson maybe not being in the top four with Ohio State being number one. Anything jump out at you? Do you think they got it right? I think LSU deserved to be number one because mm -hmm. LSU and Ohio State have had pretty much exactly the same. They've dominated every single game that they've played, except LSU has had the better non-conference win, which was against Texas, I believe, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Ohio State did not have that strong a win non-conference. So I think LSU deserves to be number one. But other than that, I don't think Clemson deserves to be in there. Uh, I think it was the right four. 
just swap two and one. Okay, all right. So Clemson did have number five, and Georgia had number six, and then two Pac-12 schools, Oregon and Utah, seven and eight. They don't have a chance. No, they don't, but who would have thought at this point in the year two Pac-12 schools would be ahead of Oklahoma, or anybody in the Big 12 for that matter. Yeah. Oklahoma was ninth. Don't get your hopes up, West Coasters. (laughs) I tell you what, you look at the rankings, and I'm with you that there's a strong case for LSU to be number one over Ohio State because who has a better resume? They have two top ten wins, technically three, because Texas was, I think they were top ten. Weren't they tenth when they beat them? They've since fallen out of the rankings, but they're still a pretty good team. Ohio State, though, just based on the eye test, I think looks like the best team in the country, but I hate going on the eye test. Yeah, the eye test doesn't make much sense, right? Everybody thought New England's offense was all right until Mm -hmm. they faced uh, Baltimore, or they thought their defense was all right. I think you can make the case either way for either of them just based on how they've played. Alabama at number three and then Penn State at number four. They've kind of surprised everybody this year because no one really thought very highly of Penn State coming into it. But they've done exactly what they've Mm -hmm. needed to. And Clemson, you look at that top five group, they're the one team that has been tested by an opponent they shouldn't have been tested by, being North Carolina. I can see why they're outside the top four. Yeah, but just because you get tested by one team doesn't mean you don't deserve anything. I mean, like, would you say that the 49ers aren't as good a team as we thought because they only beat Arizona by three points? Oh, no, right? Well, style points matter in college football. I, yeah. There's a, there's a system to get you into the NFL, but in college football, you got to make a case for yourself. you got to advocate for yourself, and that's why I can see why Clemson's left out of the top five. I would be more upset about it, though, if this were the final rankings. I'm not upset about what happened last night. Honestly, nobody should be because two and three are going to play this weekend. One and four are going to play here in a few weeks, and somehow you might have a Pac-12 team work their way into it. I don't think it'll happen, but it's mathematically possible. Georgia could still work their way into it. Georgia could lose to South Carolina, win the SEC, and be in the college football playoff. It's amazing. Do you think it makes a difference uh, about what conference teams are in? I mean, I think it makes a difference, but do you think it makes a difference to have two teams from the same conference? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I think it does. To the committee, they'll look at something like that. If it were two SEC teams, I think it would matter a lot more. Whether that's for the right or wrong reasons, I don't know. But I tell you what, you get to an interesting dilemma potentially coming up here, which I kind of hope happens. We have to acknowledge that right now, the Big 12's best shot at getting in the playoff, Baylor, not Oklahoma we got to acknowledge that possibility. Dang, man. That's weird to think about. Isn't it weird? Because you think about it, Baylor and Minnesota are in the same boat. Baylor, I think, is number 12. Minnesota was number 17. That kind of surprised me a little bit. But if either of them do manage to win out, win their conference, a Power 5, there's no way you can leave a conference champion, a Power 5 conference champ out, is there? No. I don't think there is. Well, except the Pac-12. You can leave the Pac-12 out. They're just weak, man. But they don't have an undefeated team. Yeah. Their conference champion will either be Oregon or Utah, who each have one loss, and that probably will be enough to keep them out. It's crazy, man. It is crazy. It's weird to think about. But you go back to Minnesota, and they were 13th in the AP. They're 17th in the college football playoff rankings. You know, fine, I understand that. They have literally played nobody. They've had a very weak non-conference schedule, mostly FCS, and they've struggled. But if they do beat Penn State this weekend, number five, and they end up winning out, they're going to have to beat Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and probably Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. 
you can't leave the Gophers out then if they, if they do that. And it's weird to think that Gophers could be a playoff team. No, the Gophers are not going to be a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, but they do control their own destiny. They they do, but uh, I would... Well, what do you think the odds are on that? Come on, realistically. I know, I know. It's not going to happen. But you know, I'm on the Gopher wagon for the rest of this way. I'm hoping that the Gophers get into the college football playoff. It ain't going to happen. I'm going to be a Gopher guy. Tanner, I got some bad news for you. It ain't, ain't going to happen. happen. They extended row the boat yesterday seven <laughs> years. Shouldn't they have waited till they played somebody who's not Maryland, like an in-conference game that's not Maryland or Rutgers? Wait till after this weekend and see where you match up against Penn State. That's a better litmus test. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I think that might have been the move, but then again, the Florida State firing of Willie Taggart probably expedited that a little bit. Did you see that they're looking at the former... Indie U coach from yeah, yeah, yeah. last year's U, Jason Brown. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> great would that be? That'd be a good I one. I mean, man. maybe not for Florida State. It may not be a great hire, it, but it, it'd be great for us. <laughs> it'd be great for the media. It'd be great for everybody who's against Florida State. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, it would be kind of a. Uh, they are in talks with him. They can confirm that. But Minnesota signed a lockdown P.J. Fleck, and they're going to be rowing the boat for seven more years at least until they give him another extension. They've given him three extensions in less than three years. He's been their head coach. They like him. Yeah. They like rowing the boat up there. Yeah. I tell you what, you look who else could be making it through into the college football playoff. I know Clemson fans probably aren't happy seeing themselves outside the top four. Dabo Sweeney loves this, though, because he can use it as a motivational tactic, say, Look how bad they are treating us. Look how much of an underdog we are. He's going to use the underdog mentality of them, even though they're far from that. Well, I I mean... I don't blame him for doing no, it. No, you can't deny that they're underdogs at this point. I mean, nobody re- like nobody in sports media thinks that Clemson, uh, thinks that Clemson deserves to be in the top four right now. The, the top four are pretty much... It's a consensus of who it is, and everybody thinks that, that that they're the right choice. Very few people think Clemson are in. So at this point, yeah, I agree with them. And I think that the whole reason, like, oh, they won a national championship last year is going to try to, like, push them forward mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think that's ridiculous. It's based on what you're doing now. You exactly. lost you lost your two best pass rushers and stuff like that from last year, and these guys haven't really panned out as well as you hoped. But that being said, Clemson still... I mean, I, th- I think the fans of Clemson have to realize that they haven't had the season that they hoped for, mm-hmm. right? Even Clemson fans have to be like, yeah, we haven't done it this year. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has regressed. Travis Etienne hasn't been dominant like he was last year. I tell you what, in the end, it doesn't matter that Clemson is ranked fifth right now because they control their own destiny. The top four teams... They're going to play each other anyway. They're going to knock each other out. As long as Clemson wins out, they win the ACC, they're going to be right back there. They still control their own destiny. Yeah. It does not matter. No, Clemson is still 100% in the driver's seat, especially because Penn State has a bunch of really good matchups coming up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all it's going to take is one Penn State loss and for Clemson to stay undefeated, which in their conference is going to be very, very easy to do. Mm -hmm. So, I, I... I would put money on the fact that Clemson's going to make it in the playoff. Did you see Clemson's Twitter account kind of throwing shade the other day? Like, they're starting to get a little insecure. They were talking about haters and those who say Clemson hasn't played anybody. They're like, we haven't played a Mm. team with a record below 500 this year. Not mentioning that their opener was against Georgia Tech, who was, you know, 0-0 coming into that game. Mm. Sounds like a certain Bay Area team in the NFL. 
<laughs> you have some shade you want to throw? Nobody, nobody thinks the 49ers have played anybody, but every then it's weird because mm. the whole time it's like, oh, let's see how they do against the Rams, and then they beat the Rams 20-7 <laughs> to 7 really handedly. And then it's like, okay, well, you know what? It's not the same Rams team from last year. Let's see how they do against the Panthers 51-13. to 13. People are like, okay, well, you know what? Let's see how they do against the Seahawks. Now this game is going to be the thing, but even if they beat the Seahawks, they're going to be like, well, let's see how they do against the Seahawks in Seattle, and then that's going to be the one. Then they're going to be twelve and one at that point, and people are going to be like, "See, they're not for real." Twelve and one. I tell you what, I do think the 49ers are for real. And the other night, I think this is the first time that I've had you on the show since I played the Cardinals. And that night, they just gave Jimmy the keys to the car, and let him go, and he looked really good. Now I yeah. know it was against Arizona, but if that Jimmy Garoppolo shows up in the second half of the year, they are. Absolutely, undoubtedly, for real. Well, I thought that what's it called the um, the Cardinals' game plan was to stop the run game, mm-hmm. and I, it worked to fruition. They only had what 104 yards on the ground or something like mm-hmm. that. Wasn't that good a day on the ground? Which is supposed to be the 49ers' forte, but when that didn't work, they they allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to take control, which is what really swayed the game in their favor. Right, mm-hmm. so I don't think the Cardinals prepared for Jimmy Garoppolo as well as they think they should have. I think they said if we can force Jimmy to pass, we will beat them. And I see why they would think that. Yeah, but even still, like I think that they didn't prepare for Jimmy Garoppolo at all. Now Seattle is going to prepare for Jimmy Garoppolo. Pete Carroll's a better defensive head coach than I don't Steve Wilkes. Steve, uh, yeah. it is uh, no, 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 no. Cliff uh, Vance Joseph. Now. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Pete Carroll's a better defensive coach than Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph together. So I think that Seattle will be a tougher matchup, but the fact that it's at home, Jimmy Garoppolo was still an undefeated quarterback at home. So I, I, I don't think that that's going to be too much of an issue. Josh Gordon's debut with the Seahawks. I'll, I don't mind it, though, man. Do you think he'll immediately be the number one receiver? No. That's I, 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 I think Tyler Lockett still holds that and whatnot. I think DK Metcalf is still the go-to red zone guy. You know, mm. you know what's crazy? He's top three in the league in red zone targets right yeah. now. Yeah. That's going to be a fun receiving core. I do have Josh Gordon in three fantasy leagues. Mm-hmm. Him and Russ is going to be a lot of fun. Well, him and Tom Brady was supposed to be fun, I know too. it was, but there was a lot more wealth distributed with Julian Edelman. They're always friends. Tom and Julian. And then uh, Antonio Brown was there for like five minutes. <laughs> The cat on Monday Night Football got about as much playing time as Antonio Brown. Yeah, he did. And probably had better numbers. <laughs> yeah. In that sample size. He had better numbers than Zeke or Saquon during his one, you know, kind of appearance on the field. Yeah. I tell you what, though, going back to college football, you've got two and three playing each other this weekend Alabama and LSU. I'm excited to see how that loss affects the rankings and where you would put them in comparison to Georgia. Because Georgia, do you think Georgia controls their own destiny, even though they lost to South Carolina? You don't think so? No, I think they need other teams to lose to get in there. Even if they win the SEC, they still have that Carolina loss. Even if they win win the SEC, that still means that Alabama lost, LSU lost, and stuff like that. So while they could beat those teams, which I guess would be controlling their own destiny and whatnot, Mm -hmm. that still would put them at, at best, third or fourth behind... uh, Ohio State and Clemson, uh, Ohio State, Clemson, and maybe even Penn State. Maybe even Penn State. And the thing is, the committee cares more about bad losses than they do good wins. And Georgia's loss to 
South Carolina is going to be a huge outlier when you're comparing mm-hmm. resumes. Yeah. Unless somebody else has a bad loss here in the coming weeks. Yeah, but the fact that Georgia is still behind Oregon and Utah right now, one mm-hmm. of them is going to win the Pac-12 and probably go undefeated the rest of the season. So it would have to be some really, really, really good wins in order for them to get there. Do you think Oklahoma has any shot? Do no. they have any path at number nine? No. 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 How about Auburn, Florida? Any of those teams hanging nope. around the top ten? No, nope. no, nope. over for them as well. Nope. I think I think if you are outside the top six, you have less than like a two percent chance right now. Teams most optimistic, I think, outside the top six would have to be Baylor and Minnesota. As weird as <laughs> that is to think, Baylor and Minnesota. But even if if they do both win out and they both win their conferences, you do got to put them in, don't you? No, I think you do. No, I, I think I, I've said this from day one. I think the college football playoff committee cares more about the four best teams in college rather than who wins what division. Because if that was the case, I think UCF would have made the t- made made it last year. I don't think they were one of the four best teams. They in weren't football, one of the four best. That's why they didn't make it. That's what I'm saying. I think. I, the, and, yeah, they're not in a, a Power 5 or whatever, but neither is Notre Dame, but Notre Dame still made it. But Notre Dame plays a Power 5 schedule. They play a Power 5 schedule, but they didn't win a Power 5 conference. They just thought that they were one of the top four teams in college football, so they put them in. I think the way they look at it, or the way they should look at it, is the four best of the four most deserving teams. Because I do believe Georgia was one of the best three teams last year. But with two losses, they didn't deserve to get in because there were too many undefeated or one-loss teams in front of them. Yeah, but just because you have one loss doesn't mean you're not a bad team. There are a lot of people that think the Saints are better than the 49ers by having more yeah, losses. Yeah, but this is college. Yeah, you know, I'm just a whole saying, different I, algorithm. Okay, I'm just saying, though, man. Like, just because you have losses doesn't mean you're a bad team. Anybody no. can have a bad week. Clemson had a bad week against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, But that's what makes college football so great is you have to bring it every game. All 12, 13 sometimes games, they can define your season. That's what I dislike about college football. Why? Actually, it's because like it's because every single game matters so much and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, Alabama faced Birmingham, the the Dragons or whatever whatever it is, and they only beat them fifty two to twenty six. Like, come on, the Citadel like, in week eleven. Yeah, and it's like that's still a really huge win. Like, you still crush them, but it's like, yeah, but come on, like they crushed them, but they really haven't. Yeah, but anybody. like, why have those games anyway? Like, yeah, what's the point? Like, yeah. if you're Clemson, why schedule Wofford in November? Yeah, that's the whole thing. It ruins the opportunity, and it ruins the importance. Because every single game has to be important, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then why wouldn't Alabama just schedule a bunch of really easy opponents the entire way home and stuff like that? So that way nobody can say that they're a bad team until they face somebody. Nobody sees what they're really made of. And then all of a sudden the SEC tournament comes around. They still have a bunch of the tricks up their sleeve. So if you were on the committee, you would have put Ohio State in last year. Probably. Yeah. I would have put Ohio State. I really liked uh, Georgia as well. I, la- my four teams last year would have been Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Okay. All right. I just don't think Georgia was deserving because they lost two games and there were too many good teams that maybe weren't better than Georgia, but their resumes were better. I'm all about the four best teams in college football, not, not based on what you win and stuff like that. If you are one of the four best teams, I think you should get in. The biggest factor that I can think of against that is, do you remember Sam Darnold's junior year at USC? They started 0-3, and then Darnold went in at quarterback, and they finished 9-3, and and they were rolling, and they played Barkley and Penn State in the Rose Bowl that year, and they were so good that year, but they had three losses, even though they might have been one of the four best teams at the end of the year. 
they were nine and three, they weren't going to get in. Well, okay. So that's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the debate: is do you put the hot teams in or do you put the good teams in? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that maybe teams weren't prepared for Darnold and whatnot. You get a full year of film and stuff like that. You expect, uh, and I know that you, you don't really rely on film as much in college football, but still, you do rely on it a bit. But the thing is that the very next year, Darnold. How do you do? He wasn't that good. He wasn't that good. Exactly. So, like, people sort of understood him more. So, I think a lot of that had to do with that. So, I think people realized it and realized that it was just a flash in the pan type thing. And yeah, it was a really that was one of the best Rose Bowl games. Oh yeah, in a that long was a time. That was a great game. Mm-hmm. I think USC USC lost that game. Right? I don't remember to be honest. With you. Like I remember a, watching that game. I don't remember like the score. Forty-eight, forty-five, or something like that. That might have been Does it. That it was right? an absolute shootout. Yeah, I do remember that. Shootout. Don't remember who won though. No, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the more memorable games, and we yeah. can't even think of the winner. Um, it was just so back and forth, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think people realized that it was just a flash in the pan, not something that was going to reflect USC football for the rest of the thing, and that's and that's exactly what's happened, because the very next year, guess what? Mm-hmm. They weren't good. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Let's take a time out when we come back. College basketball is back. What do we learn and what are we looking for tonight? Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Here's your Sports Center update. San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane has been sued by a Las Vegas casino that claims that Kane failed to pay back $500,000 in gambling debts. College basketball last night, Texas guard Andrew Jones played in his first game in almost two years after receiving treatment for leukemia. He went off for a career-high 20 points. And finally, according to Reddit, your handwriting is basically your hand's accent. Yes. You ever think about that? Yeah, uh, I've seen that a couple of places. Uh, Never thought about that. Well, before. that's the whole thing. Do all Americans write the same? Then? I I don't know. I mean, we write in the same language, but yeah, I mean, but it, every American kind of has a different dialect, don't they? Like, no one's voice is the same. A little bit, a little bit, not too much, but still, does that mean you and I write? Uh, I mean, how close would you say you were, yours and I's voices? Voices. Not that close. Actually, yeah, you're, yeah, okay, never mind. But, <laughs> but if, you, like, if you find two people that have the very similar voices, do you think they're going to write the same? No. No? But I don't think somebody from Boston is going to write the same as somebody from Texas just because they don't speak alike. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's that whole situation where it's like, oh, you're... I, I'm trying to think of a, of a similar thing, but it's become like a whole meme culture where mm-hmm. it's just like describing things in weird ways, mm-hmm. right? So... It's like, is maroon basically just navy red? And I yeah. think about that for a long time. Yeah. Like, I'm upset or, at how much time or, I waste on that. Or when you don't tuck your shirt into your pants, does that mean your pants are tucked into your shirt? <laughs> what about if poison expires, is it more poisonous or less? Yeah, that's the whole thing. Can poison <laughs> expire in the first place? I don't know. <laughs> like, if you're a medical student... And you have to miss class because you're sick. Does that mean you would be a bad doctor? Does that mean you're not taking good enough notes? Like, Hmm. I'm mad at myself for how much of my day is occupied thinking about that. 
Yeah, I'm mad at that too, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, we got basketball to think about. The season kicked off last night. Today's National Basketball Day, by the way. Oh. Happy National Basketball Day. That's a good day. Yeah. Well, like it's, it's an even better day too because what the roundabouts are open now too. Right? The roundabouts are open out yeah. there on 41. Thank God. That's a, that's a holiday in and of I itself. I love it, and I'm sure everyone here in Marquette is happy about it. Do you think it's safe to go out there, or do you think people still need a little more time to figure those out? Well, everybody needs more time to figure out roundabouts. I don't care if you've been around roundabouts for 75 years. You still need more time to figure it out. So I thought it was a bad idea. From the, I, I don't want to get too into the politics of it and whatever, mm-hmm. but roundabouts are awful. I tell you what, I dealt with those, you know, and I deal with those any time that I go to South Bend or I'm on Notre Dame's campus because they're big out there. I never dealt with those in Iowa. Not a thing in Iowa. They're a thing in California. Are they? Pretty much just only in communities, though. Not on, not on highways. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just. I tell you what, though, basketball did tip off last night. I think I said kicked off earlier. Tip off is more appropriate. I said kick off on the air last night, and then I felt <laughs> bad about it. Trying to transition away from football season, yeah, getting yeah. to basketball. Well, not transition away from football, but get our minds set for basketball. We had some good ones last night. We had Duke and Kansas. The Dukies are able to outlast the Jayhawks. Kansas turned the ball over 28 times. I mean, I know it's the season opener and you're playing Duke, but 18 first-half turnovers, and they're only down three. Is this the downfall of Kansas basketball? I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, last last year they were really – how disappointing. They how were disappointing. disappointing right? Very, very. Very much so, right? And I think if they don't bounce back this year, this is a program that strives itself on its consistency and whatnot, and all of a sudden they're not consistent anymore. And I don't think it has anything to do with the allegations. I don't think anybody cares about the allegations against Kansas when it's all said and done. But I wonder, do you think that there's a possibility Bill Self is developing an exit strategy? No, just because, like you said, it's not that big of a deal right now. Well, not necessarily because of the allegations. Well, no, I'm just saying that nothing has been that big of a deal in Mm -hmm. terms of anything with Kansas. Uh, Like, the biggest deal with Kansas basketball right now has been, well, you were a four seed in the tournament Mm -hmm. last year. So... I mean, unless he knows something's up, unless he knows something is going downhill, I doubt there would be any sort of exit strategy. They just don't have the guard play that they used to. They're centered around big men this year, like Yudoka Azabuki, one of my favorite names in basketball. He's a pretty darn good player, but they don't have the guard play that they used to. And I don't understand how they were a four seed last year, what they did this offseason, and they go from being a four seed to being ranked fourth. After being hit by a scandal in the offseason. And like you said, they have no guards. And what do I always say? Mm -hmm. It's a guards game. Yep. I tell you what. Duke, uh, you know, they were missing their big guns from last year. They're missing a lot of that scoring. They got a pretty darn good group there. And Trey Jones needed to take a step forward offensively. He was the team's best defender last year. He looked pretty good last night offensively, I thought. He's still got a few steps forward to take, I would say, especially during this season if Duke really wants to be a national title contender. But I thought last night was encouraging. Yeah, it was good. There was nothing wrong with what happened last night. Mm-hmm. It was still a very solid performance by all four teams if we're going to throw Michigan State and oh, Kentucky absolutely. in there as Champions well. Champions Classic. Yeah, it was a very solid outing by all of them. So how much of this do you think is actually going to shake up the rankings? Well, I wonder because Michigan State was within single digits about 18 of the they never, 20 like, minutes they in never, that second half. They never really like got ahead. That's the though. thing. They were kept at arm's length the entire time. Like They were always right there. If they made a few shots, they're right back into it in the second half. But 
Kentucky just kept him at arm's length, and they got a massive performance from Tyrese Maxey. He looked really good last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. His debut on Madison Square Garden's floor, and he does that? Yeah. That was outstanding. But I tell you what, I still think that if the Big Ten has any shot at sending anybody to the Final Four or to win a championship, it's Michigan State. Yeah. They're going to look better than they did last night. Last night was just kind of lackluster. I don't believe that is any kind of uh, foreshadowment for Michigan State and the fact that Yeah, they did not look that good, but no. the fact that they were at an arm's length of Kentucky despite huge performances from players that you don't really... Like, you expected it from Maxie a little mm-hmm. bit, but he was, he's not supposed to be the guy that like leads Kentucky this mm-hmm. year, right? Or at least he wasn't supposed to be. No. But still, despite great performances from outlandish-type players... Michigan State was there. They were there. Yeah. And they really didn't play that good of a game. I mean, we can say that. They didn't shoot the ball well, and yet they were right there. And I don't think this at all was a microcosm of Michigan State's season. I think they are going to figure it out and be one of the best teams in the country. What about all the NAIA teams beating NCAA teams last night? That was great. I loved it. I loved watching it. I always think that some NAIA teams are better than NCAA teams. There's some dark good ones out there. There were at least two of them. And then how many teams, you know, they had... Buy games, quote unquote, B U Y, paying a team to come there so they can kick the living you know what out of them to open their season with a win. And then they lose Nebraska ball in the Fred Hoiberg debut. They looked really bad. I don't remember who it was that they paid to come play them because they thought it'd be an easy win. I think it was UC Riverside. And they got mopped by like 20. Yep. I love, you hate to see it sometimes. I think Alabama did that too. Alabama played Penn to come there, and then the Quakers beat them. You'll love it, man. You, 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 said, you, you said you hate to see it, but you love to I see it, I said it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. You love to see it. That I, I'm serious about that. Unless it's your team. I mean, they made a movie about that pretty much. The Longest Yard. The Guards versus the Prisoners. <laughs> it's like they made a whole movie about that. I love that movie. It's a good movie. I've never seen the original one, though. No, I, I haven't either. I've no. only seen the Adam Sandler one, and people disgrace me for it. I know. But... Why does everyone hate that movie? I love that oh, movie. Oh, no. I like it. Whenever I see it on, I finish that. It's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. you got so many good actors in that. Yeah. I love it. But I tell you what, we have got, well, we still had a few games last night to touch on. The Sioux Falls Pentagon, which some people hate that floor. They criticize it because there's like four three-point lines out there. And I guess if I didn't have an emotional attachment to it, I'd hate it for that reason too. But the Pentagon, you know, it's you know in my backyard. And it hosted Wisconsin and St. Mary's last night. St. Mary's ranked 20th. Wisconsin coming off a 23-win season. And the Badgers lose in overtime 65-63. But... You know, you're from the West Coast. St. Mary's is no slouch. No, they're not. They made the they made the tournament what each of the last five years, mm-hmm. six years. Yeah, and they yeah. play Gonzaga every year, at least twice. Yeah. So I, I don't get why people discredit them so much. The Gales are like, they're legit, man. Mm-hmm. They're legit. They've been legit. They won a tournament game last year. Mm-hmm. Did they? I think they did. I had them winning the tournament game. I'm not sure if they actually. <laughs> my, my my bracket was not good last year. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, yeah, they uh, they put on a good show last night against Wisconsin, but you know, so did the Badgers, and they've got a little bit of uh, growing to do. Some spots they need to fill with Ethan Happ being gone. But I tell you what, though, I said this yesterday. There were times where Ethan Happ maybe limited the offense a little bit. I think this can be more of a run and gun style offense for the Badgers with Davison, with Roivers. I think is how you say his name. They can be a really tough team to defend. College basketball, it's all about defense, right? 
It's funny. The NBA is all about offense. What can you do on offense? You don't really need to play good defense to be a solid team. Last mm-hmm. year, Golden State was not good on defense, and still somehow they made it to the NCAA, They made it to the NBA Finals. Sorry, I almost said NCAA. <laughs> but college basketball, it's all about what you can do on defense. It doesn't matter uh, how good you are on offense. Like if it was about how good you were on offense, Duke would have won the national championship. Mm-hmm. But who made it to the finals last year? Um, Texas Tech, one of the best Vir- defensive teams. Virginia, in the country. T- t- Texas Tech, two mm-hmm. defensive-minded teams. Even Michigan State, which was more defensive-minded around Xavier Tillman and stuff like mm-hmm. that, beat Duke in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it doesn't matter how well you shoot the ball. It helps having Trey Young and people like that will help. But even with having Trey Young, what was Oklahoma his final year? Mm-hmm. They were a nine seed or an eight seed. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. They were one of those. They didn't matter. They didn't make it far. If you're a defensive-minded player, you need an offensive-minded player in the NBA in order to shine. Draymond Green can never lead a team ever. He will never be able to lead a team. Paul George cannot lead a team single-handedly. Pat Bev. Yep. Pat Bev cannot lead a team single-handedly. You need to go there. Yep. You You need somebody there to carry the offensive load. So... Maybe that's why we see a bunch of people, because they take a look, they're like, oh man, this guy could really anchor our defense, he's going to lead our team. But since they don't have that offensive scoring threat, yeah, he's a good defender, but you're ta- you're making him be the face of the franchise, he can't do that. I tell you what, Michigan got their season going last night, they beat Appalachian State 79-71 in the debut for new head coach Jawan Howard. They've got, speaking of defense, one of the premier defenders in the country with Xavier Simpson, a guy that I'm really high on. Offensively, though... He had six points on two of eight shooting. <laughs> it wasn't inspiring on the offensive end for him. That could be a concern for Michigan going forward because, yeah. like you said, defense will win you championships, especially in college basketball, but you got to be able to score the ball. Yeah, but you don't need the same people that play defense to score for you. Once you find a player like that, you have Kawhi Leonard, and people know how that turned out, and I like that. All right, all right. I respect that. Uh, tonight, we got some fun ones on the horizon. You know which one I'll be watching, Notre Dame, North yep. Carolina. Yep. Why is Notre Dame opening with a conference game? So many teams in the ACC are doing that. I don't know why. Maybe North Carolina paid them to go there. Oh, yeah, Notre Dame is there by B-U-Y. Yeah, well, Notre Dame ain't exactly a basketball school. No, they're not, but they are projected to make the tournament this year. They've got 85% of their scoring from last year back. That's most in the the, uh, ACC. Nice. Although they, you know, didn't do well in the ACC last (laughs) year. They do have their top guard back. He, uh... I think he tore his ACL against Purdue in December. So they they should be better this year. They'll be competitive this year. Okay. With that, let's take another time out. When we come back, what did we learn from Cam Newton's career path, and can we use it to foreshadow Lamar Jackson's? We'll get to that after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, get caught up on demand, get our free mobile app from the Apple I Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and get the on-demand there. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along this Wednesday afternoon. In case you missed it, John Michael's got a Nerf gun in studio. He's ready to shoot Tyree Smith, who's not with us today, in case he walks through the door, because they are playing a game of Assassin at ABC 10. He's spinning the gun. He's been cleaning it, cocking it throughout the day. I'm starting to get nervous a little bit, Mike. Well, you have nothing to worry about because you were not my target. You know, and a good assassin never goes after somebody who's not his target. Yeah, like you'd tell me if I was your target. Mm, well, that's the thing. Did Dan Callahan tell you that 
uh, I'm going after you because if not, then you're safe. So no, when Dan tried to trade me Alshon Jeffrey for Michael Thomas in fantasy last night, he failed to mention that. <laughs> yes, I tell you what, can we learn anything from Cam Newton's career and use it to project Lamar Jackson? Now, obviously, they're not the same player, but let's think about it this way. Cam Newton yesterday was placed on IR, meaning that his season is over. Kyle Allen will be the guy going forward the rest of the year in Carolina. Now, whether he is the guy going forward beyond this season for the Panthers, Cam Newton is not. Cam Newton's time as a Panther, for all intents and purposes, is over, and he will look to play somewhere in the NFL next year. I don't think his time in the NFL is over. I think his time in Carolina is definitely over because he's got a skill set that doesn't age well. He's not a strong passer. He's not an accurate passer. He's a runner. And he's 30, and he's injury-prone. And his best days are behind him. You know, I have nothing against Cam Newton. He, at his peak, was an MVP caliber player, won the MVP in 2015. Took a team to a Super Bowl. He did, he did. And he had a good start to 2016, and then he's been on the decline since then. So can we learn anything from Lamar Jackson? Because they kind of play similar styles of football. Jackson doesn't have the size or the physicality that Cam does, But this was interesting. Yesterday, Will Cain was discussing quarterbacks on his show, and he was talking about the quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl in the last 15 years. And they're all cut from the same cloth. They're part of the same model. You've got pro-style pocket passers. You've got Brady, the Mannings, Roethlisberger, Pat Mahomes, we think is going to win a Super Bowl sometime. Even Russell Wilson is probably the most mobile quarterback that's won a Super Bowl these last couple decades. Am I missing anybody? Would you say Aaron Rodgers? How mobile would you say Aaron Rodgers is? I don't think he's as mobile as Russell Wilson. He is mobile, but I think I'd probably say Russ is a better scrambler. Would you say that, okay, but we're talking about a mobile-type quarterback. Would you say that Aaron Rodgers is a mobile-type quarterback? I wouldn't call him a dual threat. I think he's a scrambler. Okay. But you still have guys that are pocket passers. They're pro-style quarterbacks. He can throw Flacco up there. Drew Brees is up there. And really, there's nobody that has a skill set that Cam Newton does or that Russell Wilson does that has won a Super Bowl. And while Lamar Jackson very well could be MVP, can you win a Super Bowl in the modern NFL with that type of quarterback? I'm not doubting Lamar Jackson or saying he can't, but I think that's a legitimate question that deserves an answer. No, you cannot. You don't think so? No. Why is that? Because when you get to the elite levels of the game, you are going up against some of the best defenses in the league some of the best corners, the best safeties and stuff like that, you need to be able to dissect a defense. And maybe Lamar Jackson can when he gets up to the line. When I've been watching him, though, it doesn't seem like he's reading much of that defense. It just seems like he's going after it, which is a lot of what Mike Vick did. Mike Vick mm-hmm. once said that he had never actually read a defense, right? Yep. It's like schoolyard. You yeah. go out there and you trust your athleticism to make a play. Yeah. But at some point, doesn't that run out once you get to January and you get into a win-or-go-home format? It does. It does. Yeah. And think about it. Every single week, it's going to take a little bit more of a toll on your body, just getting hit, getting hit, getting mm-hmm. hit. And you're going up against the best defense, the really big guy, stuff like that. Imagine if you, you got hit by Jamie Collins. Mm-hmm. Let's say the the Patriots lost that one, the Ravens advanced, but you got hit by Jamie Collins two or three times that game. Then the very next week, you got to go up against Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and you got Darius Leonard, and it's like... I gotta get hit by him now too. Whereas Tom Brady might be getting sacked and whatnot, but a lot of the sacks you see nowadays, 
aren't that big of hits no. and stuff like that. They're just sort of falling on the ground when they see the pocket start to collapse. You're a drop-back passer. You know that you've got the benefit of the NFL's new safety rules to benefit you. Mm-hmm. But if you decide to go and scramble and try to get a first down or a long run, then you're just like anybody take, else out there. You could take a head-to-head. Mm-hmm. I like Lamar Jackson, and he is such a fun quarterback to watch. But at some point, you do need to have a reliable drop-back game and can't just rely on your athleticism. You do need to be able to read a defense at some point. You need to be able to read a defense, make a pass, right? Mm-hmm. You can't run the ball 100% of the time. You know what's weird is, like, I say we can't run the ball 100% of the time. No team's ever tried that. No. So, like, we don't actually know. But no. We, we can make assumptions, right? You know, and he can pass the football. He can, but that offense is largely predicated on his ability to move the football with his legs and his athleticism. It's basically go out there and make a play for us, Lamar. Yeah. That being said, I am eating my crow when it comes to him because I was one of those guys that thought, you know, I don't know if he's going to pan out in the NFL. I, I wasn't one of those people saying that he needs to just stop and become a receiver. I wasn't Booger McFarlane or Bill Polian. But I didn't know that he'd translate to the NFL as a quarterback as well as he did. I certainly didn't think that. But right now, he is the best quarterback out of that draft class. Yeah. And he went 32nd overall. It's not not even close, too. Mm -hmm. Not even close. No. And I like it. I love it. I'm here for it. You know, and I like Lamar Jackson. I'd like to see the Ravens go far. I just don't know if that style of quarterback can win in the modern NFL. They can't win a Super Bowl. Obviously, they can win. That's what I meant. Yeah. They can't win a Super Bowl. Uh, at least I don't think they can. I I don't even know anybody who's really come close to it. Cam I mean, Newton might have been the one who was Colin Kaepernick almost beat Joe Flacco. Right, okay. Kaepernick um, could have been thrown in that category. Cam Newton could have been. Yeah, but other than that, they haven't even made the Super Bowl. Other than that, it's been dominated by the pro-style guys, the drop-back pocket passers, and I think that's why you see so many quarterback coaches bring guys up from college and it didn't matter what offense they ran down there. You're going to learn to be a pro-style pocket passer up here, or you're not going to last. Before the before he became a pro, Jared Goff had never taken a snap right. under center. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think of, right? Mm-hmm. That's so weird. So yeah, they you, you no, it doesn't matter. You're going they're going to teach him how to be under the thing, and that's the whole thing. When you're under center, this is what I just learned. When you're under center, you're making reads, right? Mm-hmm. You're going through your reads and you're snapping and you're making your pass. When you're in shotgun, it's usually just your first read. Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear that the difference is. And maybe that's why Jared Goff never really lived up to his hype. Because he was only making one read, only reading one side of the field out of shotgun every single snap at Cal. Maybe Jeff Fisher was the one who taught him to do that. Maybe. <laughs> Tell you what, you look at some teams who might be in the quarterback market next year. Do you think Chicago made a mistake by not trading for somebody at the deadline? Teddy Bridgewater? Well, I wonder. I was thinking more Cam Newton would be a fit there. I, I think uh, I think with Matt Nagy, who I think is one of the best offensive coaches in the in the league right now, anybody mm-hmm. would really be a fit other than Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> um, they need to go after somebody. Yeah. Right. Was it a mistake though that they didn't at the deadline? Let's get let's give Josh Rosen another chance, man. I, I I feel for Josh Rosen. I didn't think he was that good coming into the draft, coming into his NFL career. But I just wanted him to get a shot. Like, he had, he did not have a good team in Arizona. No. And then he got handed a tanking team, pretty much, <laughs> in Miami. And he doesn't even get a play on it. Yeah, put him on a good team, mm-hmm. and let's see what he can do. Because I thought he was so pro-ready mm-hmm. coming out of UCLA. He was the one guy, man, that I was like, he's going to be he's gonna be something. I tell you what, uh, Rosen could be out there looking for a new team next year. 
you're going to have guys like Cam Newton's probably going to play somewhere next year. Marcus Mariota, think there's still a future for him in the NFL? Yeah. I don't think there is in Tennessee. Use him as a wildcat type guy. Use him as a a change-of-pace quarterback. Might become a thing nowadays with what New Orleans did with Taysom Hill. Mm -hmm. So, like... There could be a lot of things that go this way. Do you think Taysom Hill could play somewhere next year as like a primary quarterback? No, no way. And he the, Saints, career? the Saints use him way too well. <laughs> well, yeah, they never let him go, but do you think that he has the skill set, the ability that he could be? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I like the way he plays. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, though, I wonder if they're going to ever let him go. It's becoming a Nick Foles situation, right? Mm-hmm. If the Saints start losing, if they lose like two games in a row, do you think that anybody's going to be like, start Teddy? No. No, I don't think so. I think everybody knows who they're dealing with here. And as good as Teddy is, I think they know they've got the Hall of Famer as their starting quarterback. Unless he absolutely messes the bed, I don't think you're going to hear calls for that. Good. I don't want to, but I'm actually worried about that. I feel for Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees. Yeah. I don't want It's impossible to dislike Drew Brees. I tell you what, there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be looking for new jobs next year, and a lot of them are going to be qualified or at least serviceable quarterbacks, presumably Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton. You could have Eli Manning, Marcus Mariota, Josh Rosen, Gardner Minshew. You could have a lot of quarterbacks who can play that are going to be looking for new homes next year. How awesome would it be if Josh Rosen goes to the Jets and competes with <laughs> Sam Darnold? I feel bad for Josh Rosen. I want to. Oh yeah, that's true. That's bad. true. We need him to go to a good team. Even further for him, what would be a good team that's going to Chicago be a quarterback? Chicago, maybe. I think Tampa Bay is a really good team. Are, will they be looking for a quarterback next year? I wonder. Oh, come on. I know, I know, but Jameis is starting to figure come it out. On. People have been saying Jameis has been starting to figure it out for what? How, when did he get drafted? I know, I, I know. I've never been high on him, but he does have Arians with him. Do you think they'll move on from him? No. They get a shot at getting Rosen? If Jameis, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If Jameis would have panned out with anybody, it'd be Bruce Arians, and he hasn't panned out. So, guess what? You're done, though. How about Cincinnati? Ooh. I like that. Give Could him, be a good give fit. Him, yeah, give him give him a good good running back, a solid tight end when he's healthy, yeah. and then two good, two legitimate receivers and John Ross. So and you've got Zach Taylor, former quarterbacks coach there. Yeah, there we go. Would be good for a young quarterback. Is the best job that you know at least the best team that could be looking for a franchise quarterback this coming year? New Carolina. England. <laughs> New England, if that happens. Yeah, I know we're happens. speculating and it's fun to do it, but I'll believe that when I see it. Could be Carolina. I still think Chicago. Okay. I still think Chicago. Um, trying to think of other teams. I think Tennessee's still really good. They don't have receivers, but the offensive line ain't bad. Derrick Henry's a really good. You don't think they'll stick with Tannehill? No. Why would you stick with Tannehill? Tannehill's 31. He's up there now. Yeah, he is. Do you think Cleveland is starting to think about this a little bit? No. Baker, Baker brought them in. Football's more than just a sport. It's a business, too, right? Mm-hmm. And just think of all the revenue that Baker brought them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They put them into the national spotlight. There were some people before the season that said Cleveland was America's team now. <laughs> like, that's weird to think about, right? Do you think that Freddie or Baker will be gone first? Freddie. I do, too. Yep. I think so. How about Darnold or Gase? We could have a fun segment with this. That'd be, that'd be a good one. I think Gase is still gone first. Catch. Just because Donald was so touted coming out of college. 
We'll save that for next week because for now we are out of time. Mm. Appreciate you being here, my Thank man. Thank you, man. As always, always like to be here. What do you have going on at ABC 10? Well, we get, we're going to try to set up a, another Thursday throw-in with Marcus Johnson from Ooh. Iron Mountain. So, you know, he's the offensive player of the year. He's a pretty good player. Pretty good football, basketball player, yeah. all the above. Everything, man. So we're going to try to set up something with him. We also got our feature on Phil Ballou coming out. Mm. That's still a long ways away, but it's going to be a really, really, really big one, like a 15-minute thing. Oof, you've been working hard on that. Yeah, I, I drove to Duluth, man. How about that? Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, good time, though. I tell you what, that's it for us in the sports pen. For John Michael Hofling on Tanner Hoops, thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.